In a global industry where anything can happen, where mistakes cost much more than dollars, we bring you expertise from around the world to ensure that everyone goes home safe every day. The internationally acclaimed Oil & Gas HSE podcast starts now with your host, Russell Stewart. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. We have a lot of regular listeners out there, and we appreciate that. And here recently, we've been hearing from a lot of first-time listeners who have just discovered us. We're excited that you're joining us. We want to remind you, this is the uh, OGGN HSE podcast. But if you go to our website, OGGN.com, and you want information about the oil and gas industry and you're a podcast listener, we have about a dozen different offerings that you can find on our website. This particular podcast, we're grateful to our sponsor, Anderson Hauser. Anderson Hauser is a global leader in measurement instrumentation services and solutions for industrial process engineering. They provide process solutions for flow measurement, level, pressure, temperature, analytics, and much more, optimizing processes and efficiency, safety, and environmental impact. And while they serve many industries across the globe, they have a special focus in oil and gas. Anderson Hauser, the people for process automation. And you can check out Anderson Hauser at a trade show near you this fall. Maybe by the time you're listening to this, it may be going on or it may have already been completed, but there's the Downstream USA 2021 conference that's being held in Houston. October the 21st and the 22nd. Then there will be the uh, automation fair also in Houston, Texas on November the 10th and the 11th. And for information about that, we'll post links to those two shows in the show notes. Today, I'm very excited to have on the program with us, Brian Mann. Brian, thanks for coming on the show today. Thank you very much, Russell, for having me. I appreciate it. Let's get right into it as to why I ask you to come on the show today. Well, first of all, you've been in the oil and gas industry, I think, for 30 years now, uh, focused on uh, various different aspects, land administration, land management systems. I believe you're an energy software consultant, right? Yeah, that's correct. So currently I'm a manager and a product expert at Quorum Software. We're all over the world, but I'm here in our Houston office, and I've been in industry, like you said, for quite a while. It's been about 30 years, focused on land administration and land management systems, so depending on whether I was on the business side or the software side. So much of that time, about 18 years of it, I was in Ohio, in Appalachia, working with some oil and gas companies out there, and then the past 12 years here in Houston. And so of that time, 20 years was on the business side, working with some larger independent EMPs like Range Resources and Apache. And then 10 years, I was doing software consulting. So for uh, two companies, P2 Energy and currently with Quorum Software. So in that time, I've kind of been, I also have my own little social group pre-COVID, just organized a small gathering energy influencers called Viper, which is very influential people in energy roundtable. And it was just a group that we gathered just to chat all things energy while having dinner and drinks together. But since that's kind of been put on hiatus, I've also helped out 
as director of OGGN Street Team. Now, now hang um, on, just which, hang on, just a minute. Let, let's you sure. may, okay. Let's talk about OGGN Street Team real quick before we get into the real reason why I had you on here today. Yeah. So the OGGN Street Team is a group of volunteers. So it's an initiative to provide value for our industry and our community. So we have committees focus on charity, professional development for people that are volunteers and helping out. So you know, we got some older, more experienced people like me that's been in the industry for a while and a lot of young people. So some professional development, social media. So helping out energy sometimes has a negative connotation. So we're trying to kind of spread the word of some of the good stuff that we do. And student outreach, which is a great effort, helping the students from elementary through college kind of going through that and, and reaching out to them and teaching all sorts of energy, not just oil and gas, but all energy through and through. And then some thought leadership to kind of grasp kind of the, the big picture and some topics that are timely and pertinent. And, and you probably hear a lot on all the OGGN podcasts as well. So that's where thought leadership comes Well, from. and as always, you want to find out more about OGGN because if you're looking for any kind of resources OGGN can help you find them. Then I might also remind you of our uh, special arrangement with the Canon. We'll put also a link to their website in the show notes as well, because the Canon not only is it's a unique place in Houston that provides office space can be both permanent and temporary, but it's very affordable. Not only that though, through that, they've developed a global virtual network. Entrepreneurs, startups, investors, advisors, established companies, all types from all backgrounds. It just is an avenue to give you resources for anything that you need to succeed in your company. But Brian, and so you, you can actually, we'll put Brian's LinkedIn contact in the show notes as well. So if you want to find out more about OGGN and how they can help you, you can contact either Brian or us. But Brian, let's jump into why I ask you to come on the show today. Hopefully, depending upon our production schedule, this podcast is being recorded in October and hopefully you'll be listening to it sometime in October because October is National Disability Employment Awareness Month. That's right. Yeah. So whether it's still October, whether you're listening to it or afterwards, it's an initiative that it's on during the month of October, but hopefully it's something that just gets done regularly. So, and that's really just trying to recognize just the many, very contributions of people that have disabilities to America's workplaces and the economy. So for this year, their theme is America's Recovery, Powered by Inclusion. And that's uh, really kind of centered this year around the COVID-19 pandemic and the recovery from it. So it's really trying to ensure that people with disabilities have full access to employment and community involvement during this recovery. And so just a couple of quick facts when it comes down to disabilities. So disabilities affect about one-fifth of all Americans. And often people think that the term only refers to people in a wheelchair or a walker, but there are many others. So about one in 10 Americans are considered to have a severe disability. So that's 10% right there. 26% of those people 
use an assistive device such as a wheelchair, a cane, crutches, or a walker. So while about one-fourth of those use something that's visible, the other three-fourths do not. So those are called invisible disabilities. So those disabilities can't be determined solely on whether or not somebody looks good. In addition to that, some people who do have a visible impairment, you know, they're using a cane or using a wheelchair, they too might have some invisible disabilities. And so talking about invisible disabilities, which is a a big thing, and even the, the third week of October is Invisible Disability Week. So to raise some awareness around that, because a lot of times it's out of sight, out of mind. So if you don't see it, generally don't think about it. So invisible disabilities could be physical, mental, or neurological conditions, which are not immediately apparent to somebody else. So typically, it's a chronic illness or condition. They have it all their life, or it's just getting worse as someone gets older. So it can significantly impair some activities of daily living, whether it's movement, senses, or activity. But that doesn't mean they can't do their job or do just as much as somebody else. So just, I mean, real quick, some types of invisible disabilities could be like renal failure, diabetes, sleep disorders, chronic skeletal issues like fibromyalgia or mental illnesses, autism, even rheumatoid arthritis. So, you know, these are things that a lot of people have to live with every day and they can get worse and you might be okay now and might develop a disability later on. So these are just some things to be aware of when it comes to invisible disabilities. Okay. So as we've already stated, you're an energy software consultant. So that means you're at Quorum Software. So that means you got to be smart. And, and, <laughs> and, you, and you've been in the oil and gas industry for 30 years. So how did you get you don't appear to have any disabilities. You sure don't sound like you have any disabilities. How did this become personal to you? Well, it's one of those things that, you know, when you're living with it every day, it's something you just have to deal with. And so just like anybody else, you have our good days and our bad days. And there are good parts of the days and the bad parts. So for me, I have narcolepsy. So I'm a person with narcolepsy and narcolepsy is a disability. And I was discriminated in the past in the employment wise. And, you know, it happens socially as well. But when it happens with an employer and we're talking about this disability employment awareness, I was discriminated because of my disability. And so that's how it becomes very personal for me. And now, thankfully, at Quorum Software, we have a diversity, equity, inclusion group, which does different events throughout the year. And for October, I'm on the Disability Employment Awareness Committee. And so we're kind of highlighting, um, you know, some folks in our company that have some disabilities and, and the great jobs that they're doing and other people that just other employments. You know, there's a person that's a chef that's really well known in Houston and she's blind, yet she's, you know, one of the, the best chefs around. And, you know, there are obviously with the Olympics just going on, there's a lot of Paralympians. So we're kind of going through and kind of raising some awareness. Again, those physical disabilities are a little bit easier to see. Sometimes the invisible ones just get missed. So we want to raise awareness. That's really the first step. 
Hey, it's Mark LaCour, Editor-in-Chief here at OGGN. Just a quick interruption to share a few things that are going on in October. We have not one, but two industry mixers this month, one on October 7th and one on the October 21st. Just check out our social. They're always great events, and the money that you help us raise goes to fight human sex trafficking, and you get to network with oil and gas executives. We have a new show that just came out, Energy Transition Podcast. Also remember, we have 14 other podcasts for your listening pleasure. And then the end of this year, we'll be full media partners for the 23rd World Petroleum Congress, December 5th through 9th. The World Petroleum Congress has not been in Houston over 30 years, so make sure you put space in your calendar. Come check us out. And then finally, join the OGGN Street Team on LinkedIn. It's our all-volunteer group that's really going places. I'll see you again next month. Okay, so raising awareness. You know, I guess we've all heard the term narcolepsy, but you know exactly what is that, Brian? Yeah, narcolepsy can be pretty difficult. It can have many layers to it. So for me, I've had it as long as I can remember. So the symptoms of it I've had for 40 plus years and I was diagnosed soon after college. So, you know, all throughout school, I had trouble staying awake during classes and there are some other things which I'll talk about in a second, which happened to me, which are part of narcolepsy as well. But so I've been through it. So that was like 25 years ago that I was diagnosed, have gone through dozens of sleep tests and, you know, there is no cure for it. And so I was a complicated patient case. And so it kind of brought me a little bit more into the public a few years ago because there's a web seminar where it was about me and my case, a clinical case. And so from that, I kind of wrote a blog about it called Picturing Narcolepsy, included some pictures by an artist who is also narcoleptic or has narcolepsy. And so that kind of brought it more public. But one of the things with narcolepsy and other hidden diseases is whether or not to reveal that you have that disability since it's not obvious. Because once you do, then you can be discriminated or people are more likely to discriminate against you. But narcolepsy in general is a a chronic neurological disorder. So the brain's ability to control those sleep and wake cycles. So while it's not completely understood, depending on the type of narcolepsy, it can involve what's called a hypocretin, which is a chemical that promotes wakefulness and regulates the REM sleep. So combination of factors that can happen with narcolepsy specifically are like autoimmune disorders. So your body's attacking the hypocretin and so we have less of that. And that would be a combination of genetic and environmental factors. Family history. So I have a twin brother. We're identical twins. I have it, yet he doesn't. But it doesn't mean he doesn't, he has a gene for it, but it hasn't triggered. So usually there's a trigger that will set it off. And for me, the only thing I can think of is maybe I got a rock landed on my head because brain injury is one of those things that brings it front and center. So maybe that was it. I don't know. So you've got family history, brain injury, autoimmune disorders. So it, narcolepsy affects males and females equally. So it doesn't discriminate between one or the other. And symptoms usually start in childhood, early adulthood, but can occur anytime. And about 200,000 people in the U.S. have narcolepsy. So it's not the rarest of diseases, but it is a rare disease. But it's probably much more out there, many more people, simply because 
the low awareness and a lot of people are undiagnosed or misdiagnosed, maybe with epilepsy or depression or schizophrenia when they really have narcolepsy. So narcolepsy bringing on going back to the sleep cycle. So a normal person would go into sleep about 60, 90 minutes and dream and be in a deep sleep. And so their muscles are kind of, the brain keeps them from being active. But for those of us who have narcolepsy, we can fall asleep within 15 minutes. For me, I can fall asleep within two minutes or less. And our muscle weakness in our dream activity can occur during different stages. So we're not getting that restful sleep that your body and mind really needs. So narcolepsy gets a little bit more complicated, and I'll just go through this real quick because it gets really deep, but not to get real deep about it, you might see some people with narcolepsy that has what looks like a seizure. It's actually called cataplexy. And so that would be a sudden weakness or a loss of muscle. But with the cataplexy, we're still awake. So it looks like you're fainting or you have a seizure, and but you would be unconscious for that. For us, when we have a cataplectic event, we're still awake. And it's usually triggered by some kind of strong emotion. It could be laughter. It could be fear, anger, stress, you know, all those things. So think about your work environment, you know, especially if you're out in the field. A lot of these things can come into play. So depending on the person, sometimes it could just be a mild thing, like just a drooping of the eyelids. Or it could be a total body collapse. So these are the things when we talk about safety, you know, even with employment and out in the field too, or driving to work or driving at work or driving home from work. These are all things that we have to be aware of that I have to be aware of every day. So a couple other symptoms is what we live with is excessive daytime sleepiness. So you usually don't get what you see in a lot of the movies where someone just collapses or something and just falls into this deep sleep right then and there. So, but we're exhausted all day long. It's like we haven't slept three or four days. So if you do that and consistently not sleep for three or four days, that's how we feel. And then during our sleep, we might have sleep paralysis, hypnagogic hallucinations, which are terrifying dreams when we're falling asleep or waking up. Fragmented sleep, so I got restless leg syndrome, so my legs want to bounce around and do stuff. So it's really kind of hard to sleep when your your whole body is active, your mind's active. And then from that, you may get some comorbidities, such as anxiety, depression, things that aren't narcolepsy itself. They're not symptoms, but because of that, it leads into these other things, especially if you feel the pressure of trying to contain it. And not uh, and hide it because you're afraid of discrimination. That sometimes makes it even worse. But you know it's something you got to balance out, and that's a lot of times a risk that people with narcolepsy and other disabilities, invisible or not, have to deal with. So that's a lot of stuff I know. But narcolepsy is complicated, and there are many, many other invisible diseases out there that I don't know anything about, or disabilities, not diseases, but they too have their own story with that. You talk about self-awareness on the employee's part. From the employer's perspective, what's their responsibility or role in this? Yes, so I won't get too much into the legal stuff about it because that's very complicated. And it may seem cut and dry, comes down to the Family and Medical Leave Act, FMLA, 
or the Americans with Disabilities Act, ADA. So the Family Leave Act provides some paid leave for employees for serious medical conditions. So for me, that might be something that would be intermittent or part-time. So narcolepsy and my condition and the medications I have can produce some brain fog. So it's like driving while you're drunk and you don't want to do that. So the mornings are more difficult for me. So that might involve intermittent leave time, just getting to work a little bit later or working from home or something like that, which kind of leads into the ADA, the accommodations part. So if kind of using a combination of working at, at the office or remotely, that can be an accommodation. But there are, you know, depending on company size and stuff that comes into play. But really, the best thing isn't really to go down the legal route and nobody wins. So hopefully, just best thing for the employer, so responsibility-wise, is just really some understanding, compassion, and respect. And that comes to, you know, for me, I've got precautions. i got to be aware of when I'm driving or doing things that certain things can happen. So if I go to an event or if I'm driving, whatever, you know, I know if something's about to onset that I'm going to have an issue which I need to pull over or that I need to sit down or walk out the room. And so I'm aware of my surroundings. And so because there is no cure, a lot of these disabilities just worse over time or your medication loses its efficacy. And so you got to change your medication. That might take a month or two because you got to titrate up or down. You got to slowly go up, slowly go down and, and see if it works for you. So that's when a, an employer really, that's when the understanding and compassion and stuff comes into play that don't give up on your employee because they're going through this tough time. It's tough enough as it is, let alone you give up on them. And it just makes it worse for everyone. So while there are legal protections in place for the workplace, it's, it really comes down to confronting the stigma, raising awareness, eliminating discrimination at the workplace. Because more than 30% of the people with narcolepsy, and including me, have been fired from a job because of our disability. So that's a much higher percentage than the average person. And so we get a lot of social rejection, financial insecurities, because we're worried we're going to be fired, feelings of shame. So my biggest thing when I was fired wasn't that I was mad or anything, but I felt shunned, like I was part of the family. And all of a sudden, I was shunned because of my disability. And so that was the biggest thing for me. And so companies have employees all over the place with disabilities. They just don't know how much or how many. And that can be dangerous when it comes about safety. Because if you know someone with a disability, you can help them. You can help yourself and avoid some safety issues, not only for that employee, but for people around them and also for your company. So it goes from just being a personal issue to being a safety issue all around, but also that shouldn't just discard because they bring value to every single company. Actually, I believe OGGN has highlighted some of these companies that have promoted this kind of awareness and collaboration that you're talking about, haven't they? Right. And that's what I absolutely love. So OGGN, for those that don't know, have industry mixers once or twice a month and just you know, great topics on technology and stuff like that. And so I've met just in, you know, personal conversations with people there with companies such as Endeavor Technologies, they're based out of Canada. Another company, GoArc, they're based out of Israel. 
and then HPE, Realware, these companies, they're focused on safety. And what they do is that they focus on the human aspect. So you do have other safety things when it comes to just everybody, but monitoring people or the situation, because I know somebody that the only problem with them is, you know, if they hear something like a gunshot, it's like PTSD, but that's the only time that would come up. So having and being able to monitor that situation, if something comes up is very important. And so these companies focus on safety products and that I just find fascinating. And I think that's a whole another world when you're getting into that. And it's really not to you know, bring out those who have disabilities and again, use that against them, but to avoid some safety issues because not everybody is aware of what they have. Just like with narcolepsy, it can take 15 years for them to get diagnosed. So during that time, safety devices or wearables will help kind of see those situations where something might be going wrong because you know, it costs a lot, not only personally, time, money, effort, but these are people's lives that are at stake, especially out in the field. So yeah, at the the mixers, a lot of great people that I've met there. And there are a couple other initiatives in our industry, which I just find fascinating. So for those who may not have heard the term of neurodiversity, that's kind of taking a term of for invisible disabilities and bring it to these neurocognitive one. So ADHD, dyslexia, Tourette syndrome, anxiety, obsessive compulsive disorder, depression, any kind of intellectual disability or PTSD, schizophrenia, those all fall under neurodiversity. So a lot of times it's they focus on autism is kind of the bigger one for that. And so what they realize is that you know, people that have these conditions and these disabilities, I mean, they are very... They've got other things that are very good. And and what I find is a lot of people with narcolepsy are very creative. And so they think outside the box, we have to, because we have to do things, some things differently. So companies such as Baker Hughes and Chevron have programs in place to really look at and try to bring in more people that are neurodiverse. So that may have autism or dyslexia. And then you get other companies that help them out, one in particular being Potentia. They, matter of fact, I mean, the CIO of Potentia, believe his name, Sean Fry, he himself didn't realize he was autistic into his 40s, and he has an autistic daughter. So with him, I mean, he's been going through this all his life and, you know, wasn't properly diagnosed until later on in his 40s. So there are a lot of people out there that have some disabilities. They've accommodated, you know, themselves being aware and try to do their best. And obviously he's doing a good job. So a company like Potentia is helping other companies like Chevron develop their neurodiverse program. So yeah, there are a lot of great companies in this industry. They're raising awareness and take the extra step like Baker Hughes and Chevron. And then there are those companies in the safety aspect, which I really like that are you know, helping to just really make things safer for everybody, whether or not you have physical disability, invisible disability, or no disability. Safety is absolutely everybody coming home safe. That's the theme of this show. And we're glad to have promoted National Disability Employment Awareness Month on this show. And uh, 
For those of you who want more information about some of these things, again, as I said, we'll uh, post Brian's LinkedIn contact info and you can contact him about that. Thank you, Brian, for coming on the show, taking the time. We want to thank everyone again for listening. Please tune in again next week for another episode of Anderson Hauser's Oil and Gas HSE podcast, a production of the Oil and Gas Global Network. Anderson Hauser is your reliable U.S.-based partner for measurement, instrumentation, services, and solutions. We are your people for process automation. Please discover more about Anderson Hauser by going to our website, which we'll post that link in the show notes, along with Anderson Hauser's LinkedIn and Twitter addresses. Please leave us a review on iTunes and tell your friends about us on all your social media, including LinkedIn, and we'll see you next time. Tune in next week for another engaging episode of the Oil & Gas HSE podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.